every Arizona homeowner's best friend. Thanks for tuning in. It's Rosie on the house. Your weekend wake-up tradition. Inch by inch, row by row, gonna make this start grow. Come on around back, Arizona. It is Saturday morning, 8 o'clock. Rosie on the house. Your Saturday morning tradition since 1988. 8 o'clock is our outdoor living hour. And we've got Jay Harper of the Farm's Choice in studio with us. If you've got questions about your landscape and gardening, now is the time to jump online. one 767 4348 That's 1-888-ROSIE4U. You can also text questions to 411923 or if you'd like to send a picture you can email it to info at rosieonthehouse.com for plant or insect identification and we are only 54 days away from autumn <laughs> not that you're <laughs> counting how many hours <laughs> let's see 54 uh, times 24 <laughs> well yeah it's not too far away is it you know we're basically out i always in my mind, thought this this weekend, this last weekend of July slash first of August was half the halfway mark of summer. Hmm. Thirteen hundred hours. We're thirteen hundred. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> That's a good reset. I always look at um, my my deal is uh, uh, Halloween. You can't mm-hmm. look for it to really cool off to Halloween. So I don't get my heart set on that until then. Yeah, but, well, but that I, makes sense. Then, first, I kind of figure first. So J- June and July. And then August and September. Mm-hmm. So oh. you, you know that September is going to be hot most all the way through. It just is anymore. I mean, it has been for years and years and years. Then you get a few nights starting about the first day, you know, about that third week of September that, you know, it maybe the humidity starts going away and the nights start cooling off. But basically, there's been more October 1st that it's still 100 degrees than not, I think. But it's a different 100 degrees. It is. When you're coming when you into the... There, from the spring and it hits 100 degrees, you're like, ah. When you get to October and it hits 100 degrees, you're like, ah. Well, when it's only 100 <laughs> instead of 100. And, and it's usually drier. And the days and it's are shorter, shorter. And yeah. it's way shorter. So it's 100 for only maybe an hour or two. Mm-hmm. And the nights are longer and they cool off. And then you're right. And then you know that, okay, we got this month Halloween's coming. We're, we're here. Hope is in the air. We're here. Uh, so anyway. Uh, that's kind of my, it's kind of like how you get through things, right? It's like <laughs> a, we're halfway. Now now every day from here we're getting, we're gaining on it. We're a few days, a few hours closer to 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 fall. And and you can also look at that planning calendar come that starts in September going, man, once we get, you know, through this next 30 days, that September planting calendar starts getting pretty long and longer and we're, we're on to something, so... Yeah, but how do you get through August? <laughs> Let's talk about how you get through yeah, August. Yeah, there you go. Um, for one thing, we've ha- we have had lots of moisture, and we've had lots of good humidity. What do our gardeners need to think about as far as their irrigation system? And- yeah, that's a good point. So we went, but we went from what two weeks ago it was mm. 117, <laughs> and we'd had that two week stretch that we always get that two week stretch of. 110 plus every day, it seems like, somewhere, whether sometimes it's in late to mid-June, but, you you know, July, you know, somewhere in there. Hopefully we don't, we're done with that. But now we've gotten, even if your particular part of town has not gotten lots of rain, you've got cloudy, semi-cloudy days, humidity, uh, the ambient moisture around your plants is way up, 
And there, your plants just took a big sigh of relief. They just went, ah. Uh, you know, it may not be comfortable to you because it's humid and damp and you're sweaty and sticky, but your plants are now in a much better spot. They're, they're, even, the, even the desert stuff, you can tell, looks better. You really um, can. The garden's just like plumped up. <clears throat> Flowers mm-hmm. are kind of coming out on some of the veggies and stuff. So, you know, you know number one, if you're like me about a few days into that 115, I went out and increased my water because mm-hmm. stuff was, was not getting through to the next cycle. It was wilting. Now you can go back, and, and which I've done, and you can go back and cut it back. Maybe we can at least get back to where we were maybe at the beginning of summer. Uh, and if it stays this way, if we get a little rain and lots of humidity and some overcast and shorter days, if you if you noticed how much shorter the days are now mm-hmm, than they were, mm-hmm. so <clears throat> the stress on the plants is not so much. So tweak your irrigation system, even if you do happen to get – and we really haven't had in our neck of the woods what I call a lot of rain. We've had mm-hmm. some showers, some nice showers, but we haven't had it really enough – an eventful rainfall enough where you could really just go out and turn the irrigation off for a week or so. Um, but you can sure cycle it back. And uh, maybe you have had enough rain in some parts like the Southeast Valley and some in like central Buckeye. Well, they've had, they've had some big time rains. Um, you can definitely turn your irrigation off for, you know, even if it's just a few days, it's a few days. So kind of start paying attention to the irrigation, the timing, the cycle, the duration. We don't want to change the duration much, just more the frequency. Uh, but, yeah, the, be, on the, be on the lookout for that, you know. And uh, now's also a great time to evaluate your, your plants in your landscape. You know, hey, I planted that last fall or last winter. Eh, it didn't, you know, it hasn't fared that well through the summer. I look at things now and go, you know, if I got to babysit you through the summer, you're out of here. <laughs> <laughs> you're starting to sound like Rosie. <laughs> so I'll make some changes this fall on a couple of things. Um, You've always so kind of been a fan of that. Like if someone's got some a plant that's really old and they're really, really trying to – it oh, takes yeah. so much work. Just, you know, go ahead and – Appreciate it for what it was and start over and get some. You know, when I was younger, works. I used to play along with them and, yeah, try this and add this and buy some of this and put this on, you know. And you know who really changed my, it's interesting, who changed my thinking about that a number of years ago was Mark Salem. Oh, seriously? <laughs> <laughs> because how, how expensive are those plants? I kind of thought about it and I went, yeah, you know, I mean, if you can afford a, a Starbucks every day, you can buy a you can buy a pretty expensive plant by the end of the week if you just gave up your Starbucks for the week. You know, they're not exp- they're not that expensive. And some some plants are. I mean, there there's some you know specialty plants, big specimen things, succulents, you know, agaves that are that are pretty expensive. But if it's a lantana or a you know a basic kind of a landscape, bougainvillea, yeah, you know, uh, what I call prune it with a shovel. <laughs> you know, just get out there and get rid of that sucker. It's in the wrong place. Something didn't go well. Certain plants, like anything living, is not as strong as it should be or, you know, whatever. So maybe you got a bad one. Maybe it got off to a bad start. But don't spend a lot of time and energy and water wa- and water getting through it. The other thing I have a hard time with are people that, that 
Yeah, if that's what you want to do, that's great. But they go out and they're, they take their tomatoes at the end of spring. They start shading them and protecting them to get them through the summer so they can, you know, pull them up. <laughs> tomato, you can buy a huge tomato plant for under 20 bucks if you want to buy an already grown one come fall and try and do a fall tomato. I don't even necessarily try and do fall tomatoes. I don't. I think there are better there are things that are going to do better in your fall garden and we can talk about that later but trying to 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 rescue or keep it, something alive through the summer is like why fight it you know let it burn turn the water off save the water pull Com- it up compost fall, it. fallow the ground compost the plant and you know go on vacation <laughs> you just don't sometimes you don't you're kind of giving people permission to rethink it right you know, and just yeah uh, Rosie's been sharing, you know, getting rid of the, a part of our lawn. And when you stop and think about the money we have put in and the water we have used on that lawn, and it was worth it at the time, but season's over. You I'll, know, talk, to you, to I'll talk to you about that off the air, what you what I've done. And it's, uh, it's pretty uh, liberating. <laughs> but I, well, I had a, uh, a friend, Cheryl Gore. You know Cheryl from the Nursery Association. So they moved into a new subdivision. They got an HOA. And, and, and she sent me some pictures, and I had a little call with the, with the HOA folks the other, you know, a few weeks ago. And they've got these big common area retention basins is, that are grass. Is Cheryl already in trouble with her new HOA? No, she's not. She's okay. trying to help. <laughs> and we, I kind of walked them through. You know, they don't look good. They're not transitioning well, blah, blah, blah. And then at the end of the deal, one of the suggestions, and it didn't come from me. It actually came from the president of the HOA. Is, well, what if we just... Let them, you know, they look good all winter with their ryegrass. Nobody's out there in the summertime. They're kind of like their retention areas to, to catch runoff and, and excess mm-hmm. water in the neighborhood. But I think they're also intended to be kind of a dog walking, you know, green belt for, you know, you, you go, so there isn't anybody out there to walking their dogs or playing ball in those this time of year. What if we just let them be what they be, let them die even, and then plant? And I said, you are talking my language now buddy <laughs> i've been you know we know we've been talking about that for years is the way to keep it's like you know the cities want people not to plant winter lawns and i'll get some of my old city friends mad at me if they hear me say this but i'm just the opposite let the doggone summer lawn die they most of them don't look that great through the sun i don't care even if you're paying good attention to them it's it can be hard to keep them looking good just about the time they really have transitioned to summer and they start looking good, and we laugh and it, with the golf course guys all the time about this, we're out there starting to scalp them again and burn them up so we can plant the winter grass. Well, why don't we just plant a great winter lawn October to June? You can have a great winter lawn. So July, August, and September, go on vacation. Turn it off. You know, quit fighting it. Fire, fire the lawn guy, or have the lawn guy do other things which you need done around your landscaping, and uh, you know, quit fighting it and quit wasting water doing it. So, anyway, no, well, that's I'm, stuff we can do. And then I, th- I, I know you want to talk about maybe potted things or house plants and tropicals, and that's another thing to do. We stopped doing our backyard lawn. We had a front and a backyard. Lawn and we're just like they were so much work, so much time, and like hardly ever use it. I'm like, it looks pretty, but what are we really getting out of it? I mean, mm-hmm. we haven't. Uh, I think it's been a year and a half. We haven't done anything back there, and 
Summer or winter? Right. Okay. And so what no, is no, it? No so what has what has it turned into? What is it? What is it now? Is it is it dirt? Is it's it, just dirt right okay. now. Yeah. Right. We're trying to decide what to do with it, but uh-huh. we hardly ever talk about it because it's it's an area we never used anyway. Yeah. So no one's ever missed it. We've got still the front lawn under the mulberries and uh, the so it's it's like yeah I mean that and that was three times the amount of work effort and yeah. water than what the front lawn requires. So it's you know, really really evaluate what you how. How much is it costing you, and what are you really getting out of it? Yeah, uh, you know, it, it it just it all gets back to your lifestyle and fitting your lifestyle, and that's the definition of xeriscaping, basically. Like rainy night in Georgia and Kentucky rain, here comes that rainy day feeling again. Blue eyes crying. <laughs> Well, you may not have gotten rain in heavy in your area, which is funny because usually you and Rosie are talking about how your area is getting pounded. We didn't get anything, but I tell you, uh, we got pounded this week. I mean, the kids did a fabulous job getting every quad and motorcycle just completely covered in mud the next morning. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. Well, the west side uh, really got a lot of rain, you know, in, in a couple of places, lots, lots of rain. Yeah. I had some pretty severe storms, you know, over on in the Buckeye area, and then out um, on the far east side, uh, the Beeline Highway was closed. For you know, I went down there the other day. All for miles, the power poles were just all. Snapped, oh my goodness! Just laying, you know, just so they had a big storm come through there too. But our area, into kind of northeast Phoenix, we've had some some rain, but we just, we haven't had. I don't feel like we've had any soakers, any real like good running soak, water yeah. down the, you know, or like, right. like our little retention area is not filled Hasn't up or anything. Filled up the, there's a park right around the corner from me that's a big sunken retention park, and it has not filled up full of water like it, it does sometimes. So some parts of the state, though, have had, I know Globe and uh, Flagstaff and some areas have had some pretty severe flooding and, and rain. So I mean, we need the rain. We don't need anybody to get hurt. Um, so some of that's unfortunate. I need to look that back up. Uh, Calf Country, our Flagstaff affiliate and uh, radio affiliate, 92.3 or 93.5 FM, mm-hmm. um, and then 9.30 AM, had posted that they were trying to fill one million sandbags in preparation for the uh, continued flooding expected, and they had reached 400,000 as of last Saturday. That's a lot of sand. That's a lot of sand. It's a lot of shoveling. <laughs> well, they actually had hoppers, and each oh, hopper station had three like a, like, different like a bagging fill-up. station. They did, Whoa. and they had they had multiple of these, so they could be filling twelve bags at one time. And they had fire departments and uh, so the army people and the to hold them though. And Coast Guard, them. yeah, yeah. And then they had a big truck tractor just dumping the sand into the top. So I mean, it was it was a serious production, but yeah, that's still, a, that's a million sandbags. Yeah, that's that's still a lot of sand and a lot of. <laughs> A lot of burlap or cloth bags or whatever they're using, for sure. Well, we had this, uh, and as it relates to storm damage, and I'm sure a lot of people are in the same way, our Palabrea blew over in the storm, and we're looking for something to replace it with. Um, in particular, this homeowner lives, uh, this tree is near a pool, so they want something that would be on the cleaner side of it. 
There's no such thing. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Get, are if you you're looking for a tree, yeah. uh, you know there are some that are cleaner than others. In a Palo Verde species like Palo Verde, probably wouldn't be one thing I'd put close to a pool between the flowers and the seed pods and everything else that falls off. Um, you know, smaller, cleaner trees to me would include Texas ebony. Mm. If you don't mind having some thorns, you're going to have, you know, you know they, they're well-armed. That's a pretty green But though. it's a beautiful dark green tree. Doesn't good get deep big. shade, too. Good, good deep shade. Good tree. Mastic, which is in the pistachia family, is also, you know, it's not thorns. Um, very tough. Very, very tough tree. Um, doesn't get huge, but it's super, super clean. So those would be the two that right off the top of my head that I would suggest that they look into. So uh, Texas ebony and mastic. It's kind of a trade-off. <laughs> yeah, if you need the shade and you need the size of something that gives you shade, you're just not going to have clean. It just it's the way it is. It's okay. You know, live with buy a, buy a good pool scooper and <laughs> well, <laughs> you know change the topic just a bit i my green thumb has been a little itchy because mm -hmm. it's been so hot yeah. out so i've kind of focused on maybe putting in some new house plants which okay. i haven't done in a long time because of you know i just when i had a lot of kids at home it was one more thing to take care of right now i'm kind of interested i tried one plant and all of a sudden there was all these bugs all over my house and i couldn't figure it out oh. and i picked the pot up and yeah. there was all kinds of critters underneath nice. so is it tricky to do house plants well i'd say that's kind of unusual i mean that's that's not a norm okay. necessarily to have a lot of but although we can the fun, fungus gnats are usually the biggest problem they're just little nuisance gnats they don't really cause any problem and they're breeding in the organic material and in typically overly wet mm -hmm. oh, soils i have a tendency um, i think to... but it might be because it's wet or it's sitting in a saucer that's collecting water and keeping it too damp you need to empty that out but the one thing to remember about what we call house plants are not indoor plants somewhere hmm. <laughs> they're tropicals okay which is how we really should classify them that we're trying to take and make them adapt to being inside because they won't live outside here in some cases. Some, some plants that are good inside will do well outside. So your light is the, usually the big thing you got to really be careful. Most, a lot of times our houses are too dark for some of these. So take into account that light aspect and then search for something that will tolerate lower light probably. If you'd like to join the conversation, one 767 4348 one rosie for you. Rain makes corn, corn makes whiskey, whiskey makes my baby. Feel a little frisky, back roads are bogging up my buddy's You know what else rain does in Arizona? It makes the creosotes smell. Oh. I love that desert creosote scent. Nothing like the desert after the rain. Oh, that's, that's worth waiting through the, the mm -hmm. monsoon for. That's, that's the reward of everyone that stays here. <laughs> yep. One of the few. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Less traffic and the wonderful smell of rain. Well, we were just talking through houseplants, uh, mm -hmm. and Jay gave me some great tips off air I thought I might share. And one was two different types of houseplants that you said um, do really well, and one is called ZZ. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the other was mother-in-law's tongue. Right. It's Ansevieria, mother-in-law's tongue. There's some different – there's different uh, cultivars of that. You know, there's 
compact ones, tall ones, variegated ones, green ones. And they all are per- pretty bulletproof. That's what I need, bulletproof. But you also mentioned a couple of things I didn't know. One is, for one thing, air conditioning can kind of mess with it because you're trying to grow these jungly kind of plants and the air conditioning will dry out the air. So maybe miss them. Or tell that little tip about the gravel in the... Yeah, so people that awesome. are trying to grow things that need lots of humidity, especially like African violets and things like that, will take a big oversized uh, saucer or a collection tray that we put under pots. And, f- and put a lot of pea gravel in it um, and then put that put the water up to kind of the level of the pea gravel. So the pea gravel is just being bathed in water. There's not standing water above that. And then put your plant and leave your plant on that bed of submerged rock, for a lack of a better term. So you have this kind of humidifier underneath your plant and so the ambient moisture around the plant it it does help some okay because i i tend to if anything's wrong i water (laughs) and a lot of times that backfires and a lot of times what people will do they have a plant tray under their plant and they water it and then the water runs into that Mm -hmm. which is great that's what it's intended but then the plant kind of sits in that yeah and that water you know the plant never dries out it eventually either kind of wicks back up through the hole in the bottom of the pot um and keeps that, the, the soil too wet, uh, that, that can be a problem. Um, you want drainage. You, you know, the other part is some people will plant things in pots that don't have any drainage, and they're really t- that's really tough to kind of figure out how much water to give something when the water is just sitting in that pot and it has to naturally kind of evaporate out of the soil. So that's easy. So you want to make sure you have a hole in the bottom, right? Right. Because they right. do sell them without the hole, and then you're stuck. Yes, or you have to drill them. Mm-hmm. And you can drill those yeah. um, with a you know with a good kind of ceramic or concrete type bit. We used we used to have to drill way back. I'm really aging myself. Not all the ceramic pots we would buy. Uh, we had to drill every. So somebody buy a pot. Do you want it drilled? Yes. Okay. How many holes do you want? <laughs> you know, we take it oh, and wow. drill it for them. Yeah. Um, so. Well, the way I think I've learned a little bit about putting them in a container, you start with maybe a layer of. A bit of a bigger gravel, so it has mm-hmm. a way to drain through. Yeah. And then, does it matter what kind of? I mean, I always just buy potting soil, but does it matter? Well, a good a good potting soil. Um, no, it, it doesn't really matter as long as it's potting soil. Don't use compost or mulch or something like that. But the other trick is over that hole. If you're putting the gravel, then maybe put even a piece of, uh, you know, an old piece of cloth, cheesecloth, or shade cloth, or something like a screen material over the hole and then put the rock on top of that. That will keep, you know, sometimes, you know, potting soil will even work its way through that rock and plug that hole up. Mm. So if you can, if you've got any of that kind of stuff laying around, put a little square of that, even hardware screen, anything that will kind of keep debris from collecting in that hole. And does it... I've been lazy. Like when I get a cactus or a succulent, I just use the potting soil. But should I be buying the cactus mix? Does it make a difference? Well, cactus likes better drainage, so a coarser mix. You can use regular potting soil and mix a lot of uh, that white perlite stuff Mm. that you see or even some small pea gravel. Okay. Or pumice is another good thing to use uh, to kind of create more space for oxygen and for that soil to dry out quicker. So you okay. want it to be, you don't want it to stay very damp with cactus or succulents. You know, I've been putzing around on my front porch and I have probably 10 or 15 plants. I've, and some of them have 
lasted. Mm -hmm. And they've lasted so long I've forgotten what they are. So I've come across this little app, Plant This. And um, so I've gone through the the courtyard and reminded Mm -hmm. myself of what they were. Um, But does it really matter where you get those plants? I was thinking about, you know, you look at those apps and there's so much information. So we think, oh, man, we can do this ourselves. But the local nursery is still important, right? So there's a couple of things. And and we live in a really unique place. There aren't many inhabited places that have the same climate as we do. So a lot of the plant information you get from websites, from, you know, wherever, you know, the the internet. When when it first came out, I was sitting on a bus in Raleigh, North Carolina. We were touring the Bayer manufacturing plant, and everyone was talking, and they were so excited about this leaf snap. Yeah. And it was developed by University of Columbia, and I got back to Arizona. Nothing registered. (laughs) Well, so you and I were in Columbus for a Scots thing. Miracle Grow, yes. Miracle Grow thing years ago. And it was all the garden show people and writer people. And there was a guy that had shows, gardening shows in like 14 states. I said, man, how do you tell that, you know, know the difference between that? Here I am in Phoenix and we're so in. He goes, well, he goes, 80% of the eastern United States is all zone. I forget what the what the USDA all the zone same. is. It's all the same. <laughs> But and, we are and that's very where you're different. getting your information from. Most of these internets are developed by somebody that's from a place that all of this is the same. Their temperatures aren't that much different, you know, yada, yada, yada. So here we are in Phoenix, Arizona in zone like 9A or 9B or whatever it is. They've changed it a couple of times. And it's a, it's a different cat. You know, it's a different deal here. You know, it's almost the opposite. You know, our winter is our spring. Our summer is our winter. Um, you know, it's our severe season. We do things bass backwards. There's a lot of plants that won't grow here at all that are listed. So you got to be really careful where you're getting your information. I know the internet's great, but it's kind of like the doctor when you go to the doctor and you've self-diagnosed yourself and you just laughs. You know, <laughs> don't you? Don't you know that the doctors just hate that when you come in and tell oh, them what I'm, you have? Yeah. Here's yeah. what I here's what I have. Here it is. Here's here's the, I printed it out for you, Doc. Yeah. <laughs> so then why don't you just take care of yourself if you already know? Exactly. <laughs> then why are you still sick? Um, <laughs> so just be careful. So I call it right plant, right place. So there's a lot of plants that might grow in Raleigh, North Carolina, and they may say full sun on the tag when you buy it at you know where you're buying plants, and you could take it home and put it in full well full sun here whole lot different than Raleigh, North Carolina. And if you're in a big box store, the kid probably doesn't know. You know Those I local nurseries are just you worth their... You know, yeah. you can't blame the kid. He's, you know, they've thrown him. He's been been working there two weeks. Hey, you go work in the garden center. You know, it's the worst place to work. It's hot and nasty. And you got water <laughs> plants and unload trucks. You're a rookie, you know. And, and, you know, they do the best they can. And they get a lot of support and help from their vendors when it comes to certain things, what they should be stocking and what they shouldn't. But, you know... And that's the other thing. How well have they been cared for before you take them home? Mm. If it's already stressed and you're taking it home and, you know, we talked about that, these, you know, trying to get a plant to survive. Oh, if it was in bad shape before you got it, it's probably not going to. Um, an old uh, oriental nursery guy in the Bay Area years and years and years ago, uh, I was on a tour over there. And he said, yeah, our job, our job is to not let that plant get anywhere. So when we get a shipment from a wholesale grower – 
that plant is not going to get any better. <laughs> oh, we're, good point. So we're trying to get rid of it, and our, our main objective here is to sell it, number one, but number two is then to keep it from getting any worse. So if you buy a plant at some place and they haven't taken care of it, all that to say is you have local knowledge at places. Most of them are independently owned garden centers that can help you pick the right plant for the right place. And, and if it's not the right plant for the right place and you want to plant it there anyway, which I'm not necessarily not a fan of. You know, you go back to the Midwest, Chicago, you know, those places, and you walk down Miracle Mile in downtown Chicago in the summertime, and they've got all kinds of tropicals and bougainvilleas and hibiscus and stuff growing in those planters. Well, those aren't going to live there year-round. They're, they're simply an annual. They have planted them there to look beautiful for a little short of time. And we talked about the expense of plants. Some plants are not that expensive. And if you're going to, you know, a flat of geraniums is not cheap. A flat of petunias is not, well, they are cheap. But, I mean, the difference between putting a bougainvillea in there and a, a couple of six-packs of petunias or pansies or geraniums might not be that much different. So right plant in the right place if it's in your, if it's a basic landscape foundation shrub or a tree. And you really need to go get local knowledge on that because they are expensive. And then if they've gone 20 years down the road and you're replacing, it's really expensive because you can't replace them. I mean, you've got growth, you've got things to account for. You, you can't replace it. But things for pots and containers, if you want to experiment a little bit and know that, hey, this plant's not going to make it through the summer or it's not going to make it through the winter, but I really like it and it's really pretty, then be okay with that. Well, we're going to take a hop, skip, and a jump down to Tucson and bring Bill into the conversation. Let's talk about his Chinese elm, one of becoming one of, like, it's growing in my tree oh, list. It's a, it's it, a it keeps creeping up there yep. to, towards the top. Good morning, Bill. Hi. Hey, I, I talked to you about, uh, about six months ago, and I, uh, <clears throat> you suggested one of the trees I could plant was a Chinese elm. I put it in my front yard. It's in, uh, and uh, it's f- south-facing. It's doing fantastic. But I uh, see, um, I had a few questions about it. First of all, um, I'm half the water that I'm putting into it is the um, water that's uh, I'm collecting in my swamp cooler that I drain two or three times a day to keep that water uh, fresh in the swamp cooler. Mm-hmm. So I, I collect that in a, in a barrel and uh, I give, I feed the plant that, and but I also do fresh water about half and half. So I wanted to make sure that was yeah, okay. well, hey, go ahead. And and it sounds like you had more than one question, but hang tight. Uh, we got to take a quick break, and we'll continue the conversation right after this. As we went to break, we were right in the middle of a conversation with Bill in Tucson talking about watering his Chinese elm. He was taking some water from the clean-out of the evaporative cooler, and he was also supplementing it with some fresh water, I'm assuming, just from the, the tap. So so evaporative coolers cool by just doing that. They evaporate water off into a—well, you can, you can correct me on the exact, but any time you put water out in— here and evaporate it, you're going to be left with a lot of salts. And that's that's a different animal than using condensate water out of your air conditioning unit, that that's fantastic water. 
But evaporative cooler water, I would be real leery, even if you're blending it with regular water, about how much of that to use on a tree. Now, running it out in Bermuda grass or in the lawn, I, I've never seen that ever be an issue. Oleanders, things that are very salt-tolerant, um, probably not an issue. Maybe even desert trees like mesquites and palavers. I certainly would move it around. I wouldn't leave it. In, you know, I'd have a long enough hose attached to that. Or if you're harvesting it in a barrel, you know, move it around. Don't put it in the same place all the time. Um, I even had a situation in my own yard where I would backwash my pool into mm-hmm. my grass. And after a while, that spot where that collected most of that backwash water was yellow. That lawn would had a hard time keeping that little spot green because of all the chlorine and the different things that collected there. So I would be real careful about how much of that evaporative cooler water I used on one place all the time. So there's your... Answer to question number one. What was your second question on the tree, Bill? So um, it, I planted it in March, and it seems like it's just doing great. The the, the leaves on the in, inner button near the trunk are are, are uh, really dark green, and the ones on the out are lighter green, and there's a lot of them, and it's growing really fast. And I I understand I shouldn't I should wait a while before I trim anything. I wait a year. And, well, trimming probably isn't going to solve the color of your foliage anyway. Um, no, I, I'm not worried about the co- the color is different. Yeah, I, and that's, I just thought the new the new stuff is is uh, dark green, and then that gets lighter. I guess I, I it, the foliage usually, looks great. I mean, usually the other way around when they leaf out the way around, and okay. the lighter the newer outer ends or tips or terminal ends of branches or limbs, it's going to be a little bit shinier and lighter green and then it will darken up and color of foliage can change on the time of year you get a lot of sun and heat you're you're it's natural for plants to have not quite as dark a green foliage and i definitely would not trim that tree at least until this winter uh the first time so that's a tree that will go semi-deciduous lose most of its leaves in the winter time that'd be the time to trim it I don't have a Chinese elm yet. I've got two places uh, that I plan to plant Chinese elm mm-hmm. tree. But my our ash trees, he was talking about the towards the outside, it's lighter. Well, I've noticed when the new foliage comes, it's naturally lighter, and it takes a while for it to darken mm-hmm. up and green. So, right. I mean, if he's looking at – it could just be the new if foliage. it's just new growth. foliage, it's going to be lighter green. Yeah. There's, yep, no getting around that. But good uh, good choice in tree. I'm I'm – Hoping That's to plant a, too this this false a picture if you get a chance. It's on the list of the best for sure. And a lot of people talk about planting, you know, local, desert only, yada yada yada. Well, citrus came from you know the China as well. There's a lot of that area. If you look on the longitude latitude, majority of China is at the same elevation as Arizona. <laughs> I mean, it's well, we want to plant arid adapted trees or things that will do well in our heat and our air. It doesn't, if we were just going to plant native, you got Palo Verdes and mesquite. You got two choices, basically. <laughs> ironwood. <laughs> and iron, and ironwood, yeah. So probably a little more than two, but not, not, a, not a lot of choice and maybe not the right tree for where you want to put it. Um, but as long as they're, you know, like red, red push pistache, there's, there's probably not a more heat tolerant tree out there 
than that thing, and even drought tolerant. Um, Chinese elms, southern live oaks, you know, if you want something a more of a what I call a conventional leafy tree, those three are about as good as you can get. I'll put them up against mesquites and Palo Verde as far as water consumption all day long. That's what's important more and more is making sure we get things that are heat tolerant and take less water. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and heat tolerant doesn't necessarily mean it's drought tolerant. I mean, there are things that will take heat, but they need water. So you got to watch oh. that too. And that gets back to our local knowledge. So the tag on that thing might say drought tolerant or heat tolerant or full sun. Well, yeah, maybe in North Carolina or maybe in Arkansas, it can go a week without rain or water. But, you know, it, 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 it isn't in 115 with 5% humidity burning up, you know, so... That local knowledge is irreplaceable. Well, thanks, Jay. I'm ready to go home and work on my pots in my courtyard. And it's been the nicest Saturday to do that in, what, three, four months? It's lovely. (laughs) Yeah. Let's take it. 